Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to clap one more time because we're going to do this all over again. Welcome to the 2016 Friends in Art Showcase. A few housekeeping matters first. You need to know that in the back of the room, just very close to the door that you came in, there is a bar. And the folks there would just love to take your money and replace your money with libations that will make you forget you ever had your money in the first place. (laughs) So don't forget to patronize your bartenders. They are here for your enjoyment, convenience, and if you patronize them, we're going to sound better. My name is Michael Byington, and I am one of two hosts that you have uh, tonight. The other host is my lovely wife, Anne, whom you will meet in a few moments. And you, I I was going to tell you that I was Nancy Pendergraf, and that she was Roland Bowers, because they were supposed to host this tonight, but Roland had a little medical problem, and because of that, they are not here tonight. Nor is uh, the FIA president, Lynn Huddle, and Bill Huddle. So I want you to do something to help me out in making those folks feel better. I'm going to have Jim the pianist here, who I will introduce formally in a moment, play a little bit of a tune to Good Night Ladies, and we have some different words. I'm going to sing through it once, and then I want each of you to help me. And we're going to make make Roland... And uh, Nancy and Lynn and Bill, who are out there listening in ACB Radio Land with everybody else, hear you all sing through the microphones from way back there in the back row. Get well, Bill. Get well, Roland. Hey, Lynn and Nancy, we miss all four of you now. All right, now everybody's going to do it this time. Ready to go? Here we go. Get well, Bill. Get well, Roland. Hey, Lynn and Nancy. We miss all four of you now. One more time. Get well, Bill. Get well, Roland. Hey, Lynn and Nancy. We miss all four of you now. They were worried whether we could do this showcase without them, but we got depth here in FIA, and we're going to try to do it. Let me introduce, first of all, our hired gun, the fastest fingers in the north, our pianist, Mr. Jim Anderson, who is going to be accompanying several of us. We also have uh, quite a number of other pianists who will be tickling the ivories tonight, and they also have fingers that are fast and furious and profoundly beautiful. I'm going to now turn this over to my wife, who is going to introduce our first act. Well, I'm obviously not Nancy Pendergraf or Lynn Heddle either, and I'm not used to being in a at a microphone that's quite this loud, so if I get too carried away, Michael will stop me, I'm sure. 
I don't remember if you mentioned it or not, Michael, but we need to let you all know that Charter Communications is sponsoring the FIA showcase. So let's get that in hand. Our first performer this evening is Timothy Jones from Norcross, Georgia. He is a young pianist. He won an FIA scholarship last year, and you'll understand why in just a moment. He's also a Floyd Qualls scholarship winner for this year. Um, He told me yesterday or Sunday when we were discussing what I might want to say about him that his piano teacher had a quote that she used, which I think is appropriate for this showcase. She said to him, blessed are the flexible, for they never shall be bent out of shape. And I like that. He's going to do Hunting Song by Felix Mendelssohn and I will find it. Cassian Itasca Sunrise. Sunrise. Itasca Sweet. Sunrise. I'm sorry. Sunrise. By Melanie Bover. Melanie Bover. So take it away. Thank you. 
bravo, bravo, All bravo. Right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be a little bit of a different introduction because I have the pleasure of introducing Mr. Jason Castorgoy. I think I pronounced that right. I, I love Jason. I stumble over his name. But I'm going to tell you something about Jason. I want to audio describe this since uh, some of us are not blessed with enough sight to see what's going on up here. Jason is somewhat encumbered tonight because he has no butt. He's been working so hard for ACB radio all week, they done worked it off. <laughs> However, because of that issue, he and I never had a chance to get together for me to find out what to say about him in this introduction. And his partner, Ron Hughes, has requested for a few moments to actually make the introduction for Jason. Ron? Uh, you can go over there. Any microphone you want. Hello. Can you hear me all right? Okay. Um, I'm Jason's uh, assistant. And I uh, just wanted to tell you a little bit about Jason. He wants me to keep it very short. Please which do. Is, which is always hard for me to do. Anyway, Jason um, is a concert pianist and vocalist who performs all over the country. And uh, he performs, does a lot of local performing. And uh, he was the first Connecticut Idol for Fox TV uh, American Idol, where he performed before an audience of... Uh, some 10,000 people, and uh, Jason is very modest and very humble, and the some 10,000 people were standing and shouting and waving and, and applauding, and Jason said to me, what's that all about? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, that's for you. I was all choked up, and I said, that's for you, and he said, ah, they're all overreacting. <laughs> Um, Jason uh, also won the um, special guest star opportunity for the Hartford Symphony Orchestra and performed at uh, the Bushnell Memorial Auditorium, which is in Connecticut is like the New York's uh, Carnegie Hall. And so he had a, an audience of about 3,000 people. And so I was uh, lucky enough to walk out... Uh, take him out on the stage to the piano right after the conductor introduced him. And as we're walking across the stage, a little old lady in the very front uh, of the audience said, Oh, my God, he's gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and I whispered to Jason, I said, Did you hear what that lady said about me? <laughs> <laughs> and Jason did just what you did. He laughed very hard. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, Jason is going to uh, perform for you tonight, and I hope you enjoy it. He's going to do Mr. Cellophane from Chicago. One other quick announcement before uh, Jason starts. Uh, this is a good transition between Timothy and Jason to announce this. We are going out live on ACB radio, and Timothy, when he started to uh, get up to play was feverishly trying to call some people to tell them to tune in to the internet to listen to us. I don't know if they all got the message, but what I want you to know is if you love this show so much you want to hear it again, it will be archived on the ACB website in total. 
So you can do that. And Jason, thank you very much. You are very welcome, Mike. And um, I want to give you a little background before I start this piece because some of it may not make a whole lot of sense if you don't know, but uh, there's a character in this musical named Roxy Hart, and she's in prison because, well, she has a husband and she had a lover who uh, she suddenly uh, found herself very angry with and decided to murder him. So there he goes, and, and then she's in prison and tries to say, well, gee, I want people to feel sorry for me so I can maybe get out of here a little faster. So she <clears throat> has a little tete-a-tete with the doctor, and uh, he, doctor uh, says to the press that, yes, she is pregnant. So she has this baby, and her husband, her real husband, says, I'm the father. But, uh, well, you'll see now that uh, nobody's hearing him. I'm the father. Papa. Dada. Did you hear me? (sighs) Of course you didn't hear me. That's the story of my life. Nobody ever knows I'm around. Not even my parents noticed me. One day, I went to school, and when I came home, they had moved. If someone stood up in a crowd And raised his voice up way out loud And waved his arm and shook his leg You'd notice him If someone in a movie show Yelled, fire in the second row This whole place is a powder keg You'd notice him And even without clucking like a hen With all that yelling you're noticed now and then Except, of course, if that person should be Invisible, inconsequential me See, somebody else knows it too Cellophane, Mr. Cellophane Should have been my name, Mr. Cellophane Cause you can look right through me Rock right by me And never know I'm there I tell you, Cellophane Mr. Cellophane Should have been my name Mr. Cellophane Cause you can look right through me Walk right by me And never know I'm there Suppose you was a person's cat Residing in a person's flat Who fed you fish And scratched your ears You'd notice him Suppose you was a woman wed Who was lying in a double bed Beside one man For seven years 
you'd notice him A human being's made of more than air With all that bulk you're bound to see him there Except if that person next to you Is undistinguished, unimpressive You know who My name, Mr. Cellophane Cause you can look right through me Walk right by me And never know I'm there I tell you, Cellophane Mr. Cellophane Should have been my name, Mr. Cellophane Cause you can look right through me Walk right by me I didn't take up too much of your time. Oh, wonderful. Bravo. Bravo. And fortunately for us, we get to hear Jason play in the second act. So stay tuned. We're going to uh, slow things down in a little bit. Our so. next performer is Pamela Johnson <laughs> from Springfield, Virginia. She's a first-time ACB convention attendee. Let's give her a applause for that. And we had some difficulty getting Pam to to tell us what she really, really wanted to do. But we finally got her to figure out that she wants to sing The Impossible Dream.
scorned and covered with scars Still strove with its latched ounce of She hit it. She hit that note. Woo! Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I now have the pleasure of taking you back a ways. I don't know how many people in this room have been coming to ACB conventions for more than 10 or 15 years. All right, there's some people here. Well, to any of you long-timers who will remember from the late 90s and the early 2000s, does the name Dr. Herbert Guggenheim ring a bell? Herb was well-known in ACB through times that he was with us before as a consummate poet and uh, writer. Uh, He has uh, been on FIA showcases before and in the... uh, prose and poetry readings, and I'm pleased to say that Herb is back for the first time in how many years, Herb? Fourteen years. And we are delighted to have him back. Herb is going to read uh, two poems, Pete Seskin, did I pronounce, yeah, Seskin, okay, Pete Seskin, Leaves on a Jet Plane, and also Drugged. And I do want to warn you about something. I want the bartenders to be prepared for a lot of business when Herb finishes because the one poem is so vivid you're going to want to drink after you hear it. I want to drink right now. (laughs) Oh, I'm on. You are. Hey, Hey everybody, how are you doing tonight? Everybody doing great? Okay, well, it's so rare to get an opportunity to... Uh, address an audience that's as large. Usually, um, you know, poets, we're sort of the forgotten art form, and we get, you know, 12 or 13 people in an audience, and then we consider ourselves very lucky that we've had that many people. But anyway, this is a poem about my character, Pete Sussman, and it's called Pete Sussman Leaves on a Jet Plane. And some of you may remember it from when I used to read here before. You always feel fear when your plane lifts you away from the restrictions of the earth. You leave with the cabin sealed, the flight attendants with their blank faces, their hollow hellos, the in-flight magazine, which you're welcome to take with you, the orange oxygen mask that in the unlikely event of an emergency you're supposed to affix to your own head first than to that of your child. The plane pauses at the runway waiting for clearance. In a dozen cities, you have sat in rounded chairs in front of observation windows. You have stared at dull gray carpets stretching off into infinity You have lugged your carry-on luggage down endless corridors, seeking your gate, your number, 
You are nervous, afraid your plane will come and go without you, that your ticket will be invalid, your flight overbooked. You're afraid of a wind shear, a storm, cancellation. Today the ceiling is low. The plane begins its heavy ascent. It lumbers. It vibrates. It is a very heavy plane. The ground rushes past. There is a bump, an unevenness in the runway. Time stretches. You are pressed back against your seat. You twist your head to look out the window. The plane is easing up, first the front wheels, then the back. As the ground falls away, impossibly slowly, pressure changes, ears pop, everything is compressed. The plane falls through an air pocket. This is it. Everything is over. The silver fuselage will drop. It will smash into houses, plow through buildings, cut down cars, telephone poles. Your body will be burnt beyond recognition. Your skin like blackened chicken. Your body parts torn and yanked apart, spread across a swaying field of corn. You clutch the armrest. Your palms sweat onto cool vinyl. You realize the idiocy of this action. Armrests won't save you. Nothing will as you fall through space and time, plummeting not only through the cool gray air, but through your life. This falling doesn't stop. It continues even when you are safely on the ground. Where do you think you're going? But miraculously, the plane surges up, up through the cloud cover, up into this limitless blue dome. You will survive this flight. You will live a little longer, but going from here to there will never eliminate your secret feeling of restraint, your hidden fear of falling. That's from my book. I, I have print copies of my books. Unfortunately, the poetry books are not um, audi on Audible. Um, but I, that's from my print book. If you want a copy of the book, it's called Sunset at the Hotel Miramar. Speak to me after the show. This next poem is called Drugged. It's about the same character, Pete Sussman. And he's a little older in this poem. I should add that there's a drug. How many of you have taken Ambien? Has anyone taken Ambien? Yeah. Do you know what it, what it is? It's a sleep medicine, and it makes you pretty much forget who you are, and you can do some very odd things when you're on Ambien. The last time you took Ambien, you were on vacation in Vancouver, British Columbia, staying at a small, respectable hotel. Your wife was asleep and you were asleep, but as, at a certain moment you got up, perhaps to use the bathroom, perhaps driven by some other imperative in your dream, and the story gets murky after that. You must have gone through a doorway, and the door must have locked behind you, and you must have felt that you couldn't get back in, so you went forward down a long hall, then through a second doorway, down a flight of stairs, 
then through another door that also locked. You're not sure what happened after that, but when, you, when your feet hit the cold pavement and you felt the cool spring breeze against your ass, you woke up enough to know that you were standing outside in a foreign country wearing nothing but a t-shirt and that a busy 24-hour McDonald's was just two doors away. <laughs> Peering in through the hotel's glass door, you could see that most of the lobby lights were off, the front desk dark, without the benefit of glasses, we all know what that's like. <laughs> Without the benefit of glasses, you squinted at the instructions on the hotel entry system, then punched in the designated code. A man picked up. I was sleepwalking, you carefully explained, and I'm standing here not wearing any pants. <laughs> After a thoughtful silence... He asked for your room number, your name, your wife's name, then said, I'll be down. Eventually, he came and let you in, walked you to the elevator, put in his card key, pressed the button for your floor, then jumped back out as if you were a monster. You ascended to your floor where your sleepy wife met you, wrapped you in a blanket, and brought you back to your hotel room, where you immediately fell back into bed. In the morning, at first, you thought you'd dreamt it. But when you asked your wife, she told you that you hadn't. Now, reflecting on it, you realize that life propels us forward, and that all the doors behind us click shut. We can't go back. In a way, you think, we're always standing naked at the door, our bodies roused by an insistent breeze. Thank you. Boy, that, that's a tough act to follow. Wow. <laughs> We're glad you're back, Herb. Um, our next performer is a lady that I don't, didn't know very well. I, I used to be the treasurer for BRL, so I knew her name, but I didn't know her. And she's been extremely helpful to Michael and me this week in a lot of ways that have very little to do with the showcase, but I want to thank her for that because we That's couldn't good. have done some yes. of this without her help. Her name is June Lank. She's from St. Louis, Missouri. She's a teacher of the visually impaired, but she could go out and become a a singing star without any difficulty. Uh, she's, she's just a great lady. She's got a great voice. She's going to sing Summertime from Porgy and Bess. June?
you're going to what? Okay. Um, this next performer I know very well. We've, uh, we've been married for 37 years. And probably the reason we stay married is a lot of that time we haven't lived together, which is really odd. Um, right now, Michael works uh, during the week in Wichita, and I didn't want to give up my purple house in Topeka, so I stayed in Topeka, but I do go to Wichita occasionally to spend time with him. Um, About a week out of every month. Hopefully. He's going to sing one of his famous parody songs called To the Guide Dogs at ACB. And I want to thank our accompanist, uh, again, Jim Anderson, before we start. And I want to explain something about... We do hire professional accompanists, and we tell people who are going to audition... We want you to bring well-marked music that the person can play. And so we, buy some, we, we hire someone who sight reads very well. How many people that wanted to use Jim's services do you suppose actually brought him any music? Anyone care to guess a number? Zero. Zero. That's right. Now, in all fairness, some of us thought that we uh, would be singing with Nancy Pendergraf playing, and Nancy plays by ear. I don't know how she gets such beautiful music out of the piano with her ears stuck between the keys, but, but she does. And uh, so, so Jim is, is like playing something that has to go with my words, and he's wonderful. We really appreciate him. So here goes. To the guide dogs of ACB Who snuck a sniff as they walked by me I'm glad that they were here Guiding handlers that they find dear To all the guide dogs of ACB To the guide dogs that served my wife and thus became a part of my life I'm glad that they were there With all their shedded hair And healthcare woes that caused us strife The winds of change are always here Cause guide dogs don't live as long as we Sometimes we say it isn't fair When a guide dog goes on to eternity But the next guide dog that joins our lives And our interest in travel revives They may not start out well There's interesting things to smell but their handlers get where they need to be To the relief areas at ACB Where dogs are forced to poop and pee Their handlers stand and gag But then they're prone to brag My dog did all of its duty I'll find my place, there it is, 
The kids on the street, they try to feed Every guide dog candy that they don't need But the handlers say, hop up, leave it And the dogs move on, though distracted just a bit To all the guide dogs of ACB Who meet other guides quite endlessly They just go on down the hall Or Great American Mall And they don't mount other dogs they see To all the guide dogs that kiss my face After licking themselves in some other place A cane is hard to hug You can't cuddle it on a rug To all the guide dogs of A-C-B got through that pretty good, Michael. That was fun. <clears throat> okay, we're going to change the pace just a little bit. Our next performers are Lisa and Gilbert Bush from um, Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, Gilbert is Lisa's husband. He's the library, music librarian at the Library of Congress. That must be an exciting place to work. Uh, Lisa is a stay-at-home performer and volunteer at her church and a lot of other things. And she's also a songwriter. So the first song they're going to do is Love is a River. And they will introduce the second song that they're going to do. So take it away, Lisa and Gilbert. Spirit. 
Okay, the next song um, is called I Will Listen. And you have to listen pretty well because we want you to sing with us. So um, in, during the verses, I will sing a phrase. Um, and then Gil and you will sing the same phrase. But when I sing the bridge, the middle part, then no one sings but me. <laughs> <laughs> you hope. So. Right. <laughs> Okay, Gil, let's try it. I will listen. I will listen. To your joy and pain. To your joy and pain. Then it won't matter. Then it won't matter. What shape or color you are. What shape or color you are. I will stop. I will study angles of my life. Angles of my life. Then I'll discover. Then I'll discover how same and different we are. How same and different we are. Together we can face our fears. We are each other's pioneer. Each other's pioneer. Together we can holiday. We are each other's balance, each other's balance. I will thank you. I will thank you for your difference. For your difference. Earth in harmony. Earth in harmony. Matches the beauty we are. Matches the beauty we are. Together lies and truth are known We are each other's whetstone Each other's whetstone Together justice can prevail We are each other's wind and sail Each other's wind and sail I am powerful I am powerful We can be allies. We can be allies. And share the wealth that we are. And share the wealth that we are. Very nice. Ladies and gentlemen, we have reached. What may not be quite the halfway point in our show, but we decided it was a good place to take a break so you can remember that bar back there. Because if you didn't need to be drunk to uh, enjoy the first half, you may find you need to be drunk to enjoy the second half. So please come back in about 10 or 15 minutes. After you have libated yourselves. And if you wish to get up and relibate yourself during the second half, quietly go back to your bartender and whatever you're ordering, there are four words that will increase your enjoyment tremendously. 
And those words are, make it a triple. (laughs) Have a nice intermission. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't think I can sing a song for her because I just, you know, sometimes I make these things up, you know, when I'm like late at night sitting in bars doing strange things. But I don't know if I could just do it on the fly, but I understood that uh, Alice Rickert uh, was taken to the hospital today, and she was, had, has an uh, Internet device with her, so she's going to be listening tonight, too. And since we sang a song for uh, uh, Bill Huddle and Lynn Huddle and Roland Bowers and Nancy Pendergraf, the least we can do is give a good old shout-out to Alice. Alice and I both serve on the resolutions committee, so I would say, Alice, resolve to get well. (laughs) Whereas the resolution committee will meet... Oh, I guess I shouldn't do that here. I I chaired that puppy for seven years back in the 1990s, and I'm sure glad Mark Reichert's doing it instead. And this year, he didn't host the showcase, so he started the resolutions committee on time tonight, and I'm missing most of it. And I'm not feeling terribly guilty about that. I, I, okay, they're all back now. I was, I was, you know, fudging on time to make sure that all of my performers got back. But the one that's going to be introduced next is uh, uh, at the piano. And I have just a couple of announcements that I need to do before we get to that. You may remember the many, many years that Janice Peterson, who was one of the founding members of FIA... Uh, would make an announcement at the beginning of the second half about FIA, its principles, its goals, why we exist, how we exist, and what you ought to do about it. I don't have the grace and uh, sophistication that Janice Peterson, wonderful, wonderful TVI, teacher of the visually impaired, wonderful, wonderful person, an absolutely stupendous entertainer who entertained in some of the uh, most uh, upscale nightclubs in Washington, D.C., and did so beautifully for so many years. I can't begin to have the grace and the verve that Janice had, but it falls upon me, because everybody else got sick, (laughs) to tell you about FIA. And I'm proud to do that. I serve as FIA's treasurer, And usually they only let me be the bean counter. But tonight I get to say that from the very first ACB convention I attended as an adult, after attending many years as a child with my parents, and this was in 1985, the first thing I went to at ACB was an FIA board meeting. FIA that year was a fledgling organization that I believe was only one year old. I believe it was founded in 1984. But it was founded to celebrate and promote both accessibility to the arts, meaning accessibility to museums, accessibility to to concerts, to audio description, to anything that allows us to improve our aesthetic experiences... And it was also formed to give a platform to both amateur and professional people who are blind or visually impaired and wish to make their life in some way related to the arts or entertainment field. We have continued 
as a small but mighty organization, sometimes bigger than others, depending on the efficiency of the treasurer and the membership secretary. Arlo was really good at this stuff. I'm just learning it. Um, but we have continued for, for many years to promote the arts and to, mo- to promote blind and visually impaired people in the arts. You are a part of this odyssey that we are going through by being here tonight. And we want to thank you and tell you how much we appreciate you for that. You, however, could also do one more thing. Drink up all the cash in your wallet except for $15 to come up to the front of the room after the session tonight and join our organization. The benefit that you get through that throughout the year for doing so is we put out a, uh, a magazine about the arts called The Log of the Bridge Tender. It is circulated two to three times a year depending on the things that come in and our energy. But you will get some. Uh, it is emailed to you. So you will have Jaws or Window Eyes talking about the arts Well, you can blow it up on Zoom text if you want to. But in, in any case, we do need members because the stronger we are in ACB, the stronger ACB becomes because we are one of those affiliates that separates ACB from all the other guys out there. We are the artists. We are the entertainers. We are the lovers of art. And we are the people who know how to celebrate the finer things in life. Please feel free to join us. I also want to again thank our sponsor for this year. And if you're looking for uh, fulfilling communications needs, remember our sponsor this year was Charter Communications. And now I want to say just one more word about the lovely Janice Peterson, whom, as I said, we tragically lost a couple of years ago. There is an ACB project that many of you know about called the ACB Angels Project, where a wall is created with people who are either significant to ACB members or significant to ACB as a whole. And you have to raise quite a bit of money to put somebody on the angel wall But Janice's affiliate, which was the Washington, D.C. affiliate, and FIA FIA are working to make Janice Peterson an ACB angel. And despite the fact that she said we get along better because we don't live together all the time, I'm going to turn it back over to my lovely wife, Anne. Did I really say that? Okay. Okay. Now, uh, to start our second act, we have a real honor. Many of you know Dr. Harvey Miller, right? Dr. Miller is a young 83. He's a professor emeritus from Brevard College and, and hails from Brevard, North Carolina. He worked there for 40 years, and he's done some really unique things regarding the uh, unearthing and re 
uh, vitalizing Braille music written by contemporaries of Lewis Braille. And I'm going to let him talk to you about that and explain uh, some of what he's done because it, it's just fascinating. So, Dr. Miller. Thank you. It was some 15 years ago that I was I just happened to be in Louisville at the American Printing House for the Blind Museum doing some research for a paper for the Library of Congress. And there, sitting in this glass case, was an amazing book. It was a book that had been published in 1863 of Braille organ music. And uh, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine, and I looked at it and said, oh, my. And about five years after that, I, after I retired, I decided, okay, this needs to be brought to the public. So I started my project of transcribing that into uh, what is known as Sibelius Music Program. And uh, it has been a long project, but one that I have thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, one of the composers in this book, you probably don't know, uh, he was a student at the Institute for the Young Blind in Paris, uh, starting when he was around 10 years old in about uh, 1820. And he continued there, but it's sort of interesting. Uh, you probably don't know Gabriel Gautier, but I bet you know his roommate when he was in school there. You probably have heard of him, uh, Louis Braille. Um, and I can imagine the two of these kids, you know, 12 years old maybe, and lying in their beds at night, and Louis saying, you know, I don't like that 12-dot uh, system that that captain brought over here. I think we ought to reduce it maybe to six dots. And Gabby saying, well, you know, why don't we make it eight dots? Uh, we could use those bottom two dots for a cursor. And, and Louis Braille saying, I think you need to stop cursing and we'll make it six dots. <laughs> uh, for you folks who don't know about Braille, uh, today we have a, uh, in computer Braille, we have these two dots at the bottom added, which uh, actually are used as a cursor today. But anyway, uh, Louis stuck with six and he came up with a music system that probably was used for the first time for his own music uh, with uh, Gabriel Gautier uh, taking the lead in using this music. In this particular book, published 1863, there are 34 compositions written by Gabriel Gautier, and the rest of the 54 are written by uh, one person who was a colleague of Louis Braille's and uh, Gabriel Gautier, and that was Marius Guit. And then there were two others who were students of these men, uh, Julian Harry and Victor Paul. And all four of these uh, composers wrote music that was written in this book. Now, tonight I'm going to play two of these pieces. Now, they were written for organ but it says pedal ad libitum, which everybody knows means that you can leave the pedal out. 
which I'm going to do tonight. Uh, I am going to be using the uh, sustenuto pedal on the piano, but that doesn't make much noise. Uh, but you can imagine, uh, Gabriel Gautier was a church musician. He played in a huge church, actually in Paris, and um, for, played on large organ every Sunday. And a lot of these pieces he may have used in the service. So this first piece is called Las Tristes, and I'll just go directly into the second one, which is called Reverie.
You know, there's so many things that make me cry that somebody's going to confuse me with John Boehner someday. I doubt but it. I truly, when Harvey spoke at the FIA luncheon last year and explained what he had done with this project, it really broke me into tears to realize that he had revived and saved some history in braille and blindness and music that would have been lost if he hadn't have had the dedication to give 10 years of his wonderfully talented life to do what he did. And I now have the pleasure of introducing Nick Pavel, who is a first-timer at ACB. Good morning. He is from what I used to call Siox Falls, South Dakota. <laughs> Somebody told me that's actually Sioux Falls. And I need to tell you, that Nick is a relay service operator. He's currently at large, however, so if you need somebody who's good with computers, hire Nick. But uh, he's also a, a fine singer. And like uh, somebody that was in the first act, uh, Pamela, he came in and said, well, I don't know exactly what I want to sing, but I'm a good singer. And, and I just thought it would be fun to do this. And bless Jim's heart, Jim and he put their heads together and came up with the perfect song for him. Uh, he's going to do Daydream Believer. I do need to warn you that when I was back at the bar to get my intermission martini... Nick was in line right behind me, and I said, well, well Nick, uh, you haven't performed yet. Are you sure that you want to do this? And he said, oh, yeah, I can handle one just fine. <laughs> and it is true. Now, you know, I'm going to do one later on, too, and, and you have to oil the vocal cords. <laughs> so I give you singing Daydream Believer, the partially oiled Nick Pavo. could hide beneath the wings of the bluebird as she sings. The six o'clock alarm would never ring, but it rings and I rise, wipe the sleep out of my eyes. The shaven razor's cold and it stings. To a daydream believer and a homecoming queen You once thought of me as a white knight on the steam Now you know how happy I can be our good time starts and ends without dollar one to spend. But how much, baby, do we really need? Cheer up, sleepy Jean. Oh, what can it mean to a daydream believer and a homecoming queen? 
to a daydream believer and a homecoming queen. As you can see, we have quite a variety of talent in ACB. And uh, the next performer, when, when we did live together more than we do right now, I used to, I used to um, accompany Michael on some of his parody songs, and we would practice, and he would practice, and practice, and practice, and practice. And I still couldn't remember them. And I got really tired of hearing them. But I hadn't heard this last one very much. So Michael is going to sing, uh, what's the name of this song? Um, 16 Buses. And he did this uh, at ACB uh, FIA probably 20 years ago. So most of you won't have heard it. And if you have heard it before, you'll remember that it's pretty Actually, it was 22 years ago in 1994. at the bus station at 2 a.m. The stores were all locked. I couldn't walk through them. I waited outside cause the bus ran late. But there were other passengers with whom I could wait. I waited with 16 DZ's hookers, the pimp that they had, three homeless folks and an evangelist who smelled bad. Waited three hours, 16 minutes when the bus finally showed. The driver said, I can't take you, cause I got a full load. Do, 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 do. Another bus finally came, and it had a place to sit. The driver spoke no English, and the restroom smelled like shut or chemicals. My guide dog laid down on a wad of dentine. But then the next driver complained because my dog wasn't clean. I rode 16 buses, a commuter subway. My bioptic fogged up down in the train bay. No detectable warnings anywhere near that train. And so the number three express ain't the end of my cane. Do, 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 do. I couldn't find another way, so I decided to hitchhike. A car slowing down, now that's what I like. But I didn't see until it came to a stop. It had a red flashing light sitting on its top. I rode 16. Okay, I drank too much martini. Let me get the right verse here. It's coming, folks. I promise you, it's coming. (laughs) I awoke one morning. It was drizzling rain. I had to get to work, so I grabbed my white cane. I walked to the bus stop carrying my bus pass. A sports car roared through the mud and splashed me up to my Gladius Maxa. Mass. This town's got 16 taxis. Maybe one is legit. I took a risk and called one, and what did I get? The driver was enormous, 900 pounds, smoking dope. 
But she was wearing pink tights and she gave me a grope. Do 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 do. I couldn't find another way, so I decided to hitchhike. A car slowing down. Now that's what I like. But I didn't see until it came to a stop. It had a red flashing light sitting on its top. I spent 16 hours sitting in jail. My wife couldn't find a ride to come pay my bail. If they had a plane to heaven, I probably could not go. Because the only seat left would be in an exit road. I knew this was going to happen. I cannot find my file. Uh, hang on, guys. Um, no. <laughs> I will write that song myself. Thank you very much. Um, it's, it's, it's Jason. And I know he can. <laughs> Jason Castaway from uh, uh, Manchester, Connecticut, is going to perform for us again. And he's such a consummate entertainer, he will tell you what he's going to do. I, I do have to say that I didn't know what I was going to do maybe until 24 hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that always strikes me is how you can hear words... But when they're put to music, they're just so much more... Sometimes they're just heard in a different way or they're just much more inspirational, something. And I'm a sap. I love uh, those, those slow, you know, emotional, heart-string kind of music, okay. uh, songs. And uh, one of them that came to mind is uh, a song called We Can Be Kind. Oh, I'm a poet and don't know it. Um, and another... <laughs> Another one is called Help is on the Way, and I thought, gee, why don't I try to combine them? And I think that's a great idea. However, I haven't figured out yet how I'm going to do that, so you're going to figure it out with me. <laughs> I'm going to start with um, Help is on the Way. And I think this song, both of these songs speak to how life's circumstances can sometimes be challenging and or we will hear things on the news that are, are very disturbing and um, maybe this will help uh, alleviate some of the, some of the um, heartache that comes with, with all of that. Don't give up the ship even though it may be sinking And you don't know what to do Don't give up your dream Even though you may be thinking It may never come true Life has its own ideas of how things come about And if you just hang in there 
Life is gonna work it out Help is on the way From places you don't know about today From things you may not have met Yet believe me when I say I know Help is on the way You don't have to know Where the path you're on is leading You just have to walk along Learning as you go Asking for the things you're needing You can never go wrong If you have faith that things are happening as they should And just believe each step you take Is leading you to something good on the way from places you don't know about today from friends you may not have met yet believe me when I say I know help is on the way the part where I figure out how I'm going to connect it all. Nobody really wants to fight. Nobody really wants to go to war. If everyone wants to make things right, then what is all this fighting for? Does nobody want to see it? Does nobody understand? The power to heal is right here in our hands. We can be kind. We can take care of each other. We can remember that deep down inside we all need the same thing. And maybe we'll find When we are there for each other That together we'll weather Whatever tomorrow may bring And it's not enough to talk about it Not enough to sing a song We must walk the walk about it You and I, do or die We've got to try to get along We can be kind We can take care of each other We can remember that deep down inside we all need the same things and maybe we'll find when we are there for each other that together we'll weather whatever tomorrow may
And maybe we'll find true peace of mind if we always remember we can be Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to leave Jason at a microphone for just a moment because I want to announce that Jason is shrink-wrapped. Now, that's not the man in cellophane that he was singing about in the first act, but he has a disc out, and he has agreed to donate one of his discs to the ACB auction from FIA. So... Anyone who liked Jason's music, and I can't imagine anyone not liking Jason's music, go to the auction tomorrow and bid buco bucks for Jason's disc. Or, if you lose out in the auction bidding, I want Jason to tell us how to get that disc. Um, That's the only disc I have, I'm sorry. Oh, my goodness. Well, actually, um, you can always contact me um, through email or phone, and I don't, uh, I'm thinking the best way to perhaps get that information to you is, uh, well, um, I actually don't know. I got up at 5 this morning. What can I say? I didn't mean to put him on the spot that much. Michael, we'll put it in the log. But we'll put oh, it in the log. How's there we that? Go. We'll put it in the log. We'll put it in the which means in order to get the log, everybody needs to come up after the uh, session tonight and join FIA. Hey. hey, this man, Jason, you really worked that out great. That is cool. <laughs> we musicians got to work together. <laughs> oh, that was wonderful. Thank you. Very Thank man, you so much. Is he something or what? We've had. Yeah. We have had a virtuoso piano, a pianist that FIA was able to give a scholarship to last year. We've now had Jason, who has a disc out and appeared on, which national show was it? American Idol. Wow. And, man, I mean, this is incredible. And then they let some of the others of us in, too. But, uh, you know, you can't all be like Jason and, and Tim, Timothy. Uh, I do have the opportunity of introducing another one of FIA's longtime stars, however. I get to introduce what Dr. Herbert Guggenheim is doing here in the second act. And Dr. Guggenheim is not just a published poet now, but he has written a novel. And you will remember when Peter Altschul, a couple of years ago, I believe it was, read an excerpt from his novel for the FIA showcase 
And it was quite wonderful, and hopefully it sold some novels for Peter. Dr. Guggenheim has also published a novel. His novel is called, I've got it on here somewhere. Yes, here it is, Violations of Causality. And it is, he tells me, set in 1980, but I'll let him do any other introduction of it that he needs uh, to do. And when Don Horn and I were going through auditions, he read an excerpt from it, and we thought, well, this is getting a little long, and we were about to tell him, well, maybe we should stop here. And then he read the next few lines, and it was so funny, we broke out laughing, and we couldn't stop laughing. And we decided we'd better let him read the whole excerpt because it is wonderful. So I give you Dr. Herbert Guggenheim. But you can just call me Herb. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Um, this novel, Violations of Causality, I'm here. You've maybe heard me talking it up in the exhibition hall. It's going to be available in about a month from audible.com. And so you'll be able to uh, hear a real reader read it beautifully on Audible. Um, meanwhile, it's available um, for free download. If you use the Kindle app, you can get it for free until tomorrow. Through tomorrow, you can get the novel for free from Kindle. I hope you, I hope you like it. It's a uh, hybrid novel which means it's part science fiction, part mystery, part romantic comedy, part coming-of-age story. It's about a 23-year-old poet who is torn between two women. One of them is named Gudrun. She's a 19-year-old brilliant au pair. And the other one is a 36-year-old sort of femme fatale named Lana Fish. And so here's the chapter. Uh, and Jim, can I have a little cocktail music to, uh, to go with this? We entered the lounge. It was a quiet place with soft jazz playing over the sound system. Low sofas, some rust, others pine forest green formed an L around very low glass cocktail tables. The room was divided into rectangles so that each couple or group could have a bit of privacy. The backs of each group's sofas created the third and fourth walls of other rectangles. Of course, these rectangular arrangements weren't completely closed off. There were gaps where waiters and patrons could pass in and out as needed. We found our rectangle, two sofas forming a right angle, an end table with a lamp at the corner, and a cocktail table in front of us. Lana sat at the end of one sofa near the lamp. I sat on the other sofa. She crossed her legs and flexed her foot up and down. I noticed that she was wearing heels the kind that were mostly open on top with a couple of little straps that wound around her ankles. She tilted her head back a little and shook some, some of her blonde curls away from her eyes. A waiter dressed like a monk, and I should add that this is the rectory is the name of this bar, a waiter dressed like a monk came up. 
Hi, he said, not looking at me. May I take your order? Sure, she said, brushing away some more curls. I'd love a neon tetra. Do you make those? Sure, he said. Hey, has anyone ever told you you look like Farrah Fawcett but with blonder hair? You're so cute, she said to the waiter. Isn't he cute, Skippy? Um, people tend to not notice me very much, she said. That's surprising, he said. You definitely look like someone famous. That's really sweet of you to say. The waiter lingered a moment, then started to walk off. What about Skippy? Aren't you going to take Skippy's order? The waiter turned around. Sure, Skippy. What are you having? Just a Coke. You're going to make me drink alone, Lana said. Well, if I want to write poetry later on, I'll want to be... One drink won't hurt you. Okay, I'll have what she's having. The waiter went away. Now, let me see those poems of yours, Lana said. I'm really dying to read them. I always think writers are the most interesting people. She leaned toward me to get the now tattered envelope. I can't reach all the way over there. She sat back and patted her sofa. Come, come over here and sit by me. Um, okay. She took the sheaf of poems out of the envelope and started looking at them. The waiter came back and placed matching drinks on our cocktail table. The neon tetras came in huge brandy snifters. They were layered drinks, meaning there were three liqueurs, each of a different color and density. If you poured them just right, each layer would lie on top of the layer below it, meaning uh, one below it without mixing. To make a neon tetra, get a brandy snifter and decide how much of it you want to fill with liqueur. Once you've made that decision, fill about one-third of that amount with grenadine and chambord. Fill the second third with white creme de cacao and the third third with blue curacao. The drinks looked beautiful. Each was garnished with an orange slice and a cherry speared together with a plastic sword-shaped toothpick. Lana took the toothpick out of her drink placed it in her mouth and drew the cherry off leaving just the slice of orange which she set down on her cocktail napkin I love cherries she sort of lisped then bit down and swallowed how about you? well uh, not maraschinos I said they're kind of sweet she took a few sips of her drink I'll have yours then she was cradling her snifter in both hands. I handed her my toothpick, but she was still holding her drink. Just put it in my mouth. What, the cherry? <laughs> Take it off the toothpick. Really? Sure, why not? I disimpaled the cherry and held it between my thumb and index finger. She opened her mouth slightly and I brought the small piece of fruit over to her lips. She sort of sucked the
the cherry out from between my fingers. I noticed that her lips were a little bit cool from the drink. We were sitting really close together on the sofa, and just at that moment I became aware of how good she smelled. That's nice perfume you're wearing. Thanks, she said. It's called cachet. Can I ask you a personal question? I said. This isn't for one of your poems, is it? No, it's just, it's just, I think, you're a little older than me, and I know you're not supposed to ask women how old they are, but I'm 36. 36, I thought. How old are you? 24. I mean, I'll be 24 in August. Wow, she said, only 23. I wouldn't have guessed. I wouldn't have guessed that. You seem so much older, so much more mature than most of the kids around school. Maybe that's because you're a poet, and poets are deep. They feel things in a deep way, I think. Deep, I repeated. Now, I was positive she wanted to just be friends. An older woman wouldn't want a 20-something guy like me. I mean, this wasn't the movie The Graduate. This was real life. (laughs) She took a long sip from her neon Tetra and placed the drink down on her cocktail napkin. I don't really think of myself as deep, I said. The envelope with the poems was sitting on my lap. Lana picked it up and started going through them again. Who's Gudrun? Gudrun, I said. I hadn't remembered that I dedicated one of the poems to Gudrun. I just gathered them up from the pile on my floor and stuck them in an envelope. She's this Austrian friend of mine. She's from Austria. She lives there most of the time in Austria. Anyway, this is a great poem. She slid the sheaf of papers back into the envelope and set it back down on my lap. The rectory had large plate glass windows and I could tell that it had started to rain. Pretty soon it was pouring. Water was pelting the glass. Lana plucked the poems off my lap again and this time studied one of them intently. Who's Kip Gerstein? I should add that the character's name is Skip Gershwin. So she asks, who's Kip Gerstein? He's this new character I've created. I want to do poems about someone other than myself, sort of like John Berryman in his dream songs. So you're not one of those narcissistic, self-absorbed poets I hear people talking about. Hardly, I said, looking down. I've invented another persona specifically so I can get some aesthetic distance. She slid the poems back into the envelope and placed them on my knees. Only they started to fall off. Reflexively, she shot out her hand to steady them for a moment, pressing her palm against my inner thigh. Sorry, she said. It's really coming down out there, I said referring to the rain (laughs) which was now smacking the glass maybe we'd better think about leaving soon she said but we'd better wait till the rain dies down 
It continued to rain for another two hours. I decided to have a second neon tetra, then a third, fourth, and maybe a fifth. And I managed to convince Lana to have one or two more herself. We'd talk for a while, laugh, then she'd do something like show me her bracelets or ask me what I thought of her shoes. The conversation was really flowing. I told her I wanted to write a whole book of Kip Gerstein poems. When the rain let up, we decided to have one last drink. After we finished, I settled our tab and we went outside to get Lana a taxi. The rectory was a little bit secluded, so there weren't any cabs right at the door. One'll come eventually, I said. Maybe we should walk down the street a little ways and see if we can flag one down at the corner. We walked and I could hear Lana's heels clicking on the wet pavement. As we neared the cross street, the heavens exploded. Golf ball-sized chunks of hail came dropping from the sky and smashing into smaller pieces on the ground. We put our arms over our heads for protection. What are we going to do, Lana said over the roar of the hail. My apartment's just a block away, I said. We could run for it. Sounds like a plan. That's it. Thank you. Shame on you, Herb. You left the best part out. So buy that book, because you will want to know what happened. It's pretty funny. First of all, before we get to our last performer... I want to take a moment and thank Rick Moran for doing the ACB radio technical stuff. And the volunteers who have helped uh, get people off and off, off and on the stage. Larry Turnbull. Larry Turnbull, thank you. Um, and the lady helping him is. We don't know who the lady is that's helping him. I know her, but I forgot. Who's over there? Debbie Hayes. Amy. Amy Monty. No, no. Debbie she's, Hayes. She's helping people get on and off. Oh, that's true. No, the lady helping... Uh... Debbie Hazelton. Oh, okay, right. Debbie. Right. I know. I talked to her early, but I forgot. I don't know Debbie, but I see her on the listserv all the time. She's a busy lady. All right. Wonderful lady. I want to take just one more moment and thank you for letting me be an MC on the FIA showcase. I've never done this before. <laughs> I hope you've had a good time. We're going to close out our show with the great voice of Gene Link again, who is going to do Climb Every Mountain from, uh, by Rogers and Hammerstein.
ladies and gentlemen, that is the 2016 FIA Showcase. Let's give all the performers a hand. Well, most of them anyway. And I will tell you that after the FIA Showcase in past years, the FIA suite has sometimes been peopled with performers and fans of performers who want to come up and chat and party a little bit. We're not a wealthy organization, so it's BYOB. And except for a few leftovers from the mixer, probably BYOF as well. But if anyone wishes to come by uh, Suite 2412, that's 2412, and have a little bit of afterglow from this wonderful performance from all these folks, we'll have the place open. Thank you so much for coming. And I'm going to be down front to take your membership dues.